Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is... Jonathan Pritchett. And today we are going to be answering at long last the question, why I'm a Christian. Him and this too. time, we are Christians. Yes, we are. Yes. Okay, that was lame. We got Dr. Braxton Hunter, pretty talented and well-known apologist, shared the stage with the William Lane Craigs to the Mike Laconas to all those guys. Jonathan Pritchett, Dr. Pritchett is here, and he is a New Testament guy, does a lot of stuff, a lot of podcasts, a lot of debates, so on and so forth. You can go out of this room tonight and be a Christian apologist. Now, it may not be that you're able to give the answers, but you know, you can be immediately when we're done here tonight, you can be an answer finder for people. We need to stand up and tell men and, and more and more women, God is smarter than you. And there are consequences for all of these actions. So why don't you stop for a moment and think you don't know what's best for you compared to what God knows is best for you. All right, so we've talked about why we're Christian apologists. We've talked about why other people are other things, but we haven't actually explained why we're Christians. And so... Uh, it's a good idea to at least do one podcast, um, not, not so much to give uh, just a full-blown testimony, but at least to give some background as to why we believe what we believe. And um, I'm glad to be joined once again with um, Braxton Hunter. He's no Harold Hunter. Um, the Braxton Hunter that wrote Blinding Lights comes close, but... I don't deny. This, I don't deny this it. Braxton Hunter is no Harold Hunter, but and, you know, occasionally throughout enough, my life, right? because I have a father who's in the <laughs> ministry, I'll go speak at a church somewhere. Some sometimes there's somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, who shows up who has heard my father preach or knows my dad or something like that, and they'll say, "Now they don't do it so much anymore." But back when I was younger, you know, in my early twenties, they'd say, "Now look, son, don't feel like you got to fill your daddy's shoes. Those are some big shoes to fill." And I, I always thought. What are they worried about here? Are they worried <laughs> that they're going to offend me by complimenting my father? Right. Uh, if I could, I've always said, all, all the way back to when I first went into ministry, if I can be half of what my father is, I'll be thrilled. And I still feel that way even today. Yeah, no, I think you're half. But you know, you can say that. Mission accomplished. You, you know, you can say that. But you know something? On the YouTube channel, there was someone yeah. who I think mistook you for me and thought that you were the son and he was the father. Well, we and, both have good and, hair. And, and where you say something like, he says, talk, he talks about people believe stuff just because they heard it from some religious figure or something. And you said, well, you know, sometimes that's a good thing, but I guess it can be dangerous. And he's like, it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and someone put in the YouTube comment with a timestamp, father teaches boy how it really is or something like that. So so maybe you're half I'll, as well. I'll, I'll take it. I don't. My, my father's gone to heaven, so I mean, you know, I can share my dad. Uh, you do share, your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Braxton, you you are half of the man your dad was, at least. And, <clears throat> and the 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 Braxton Hunter again can't say it enough that wrote Blinding Lights, a book that you better get before it's gone for good. That Braxton Hunter was a flamethrower like his daddy, and that that's his best book. Not, not kidding. And the sermons he right preached, on. he has CDs of these sermons where, I mean, it's like a 20-minute rant against evolution. It was brilliant. <laughs> You'll get something akin to yeah. that today, but not really. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, all right, so we're going to talk about why we're Christians. But before we do that, um, do you appreciate, uh, Dr. Pritchett, our patrons? I love our patrons. I know that this is the part of we the show. We have cool stuff in this room because of our patrons. This is the part of the show where people that are not our patrons are like, oh, geez, are they going to do this again? 
Um, yes, we're going to do it again because people who give us money get their names called out. That's right. That's the deal. And um, other stuff like that books deal. we got to ship and, and um, <clears throat> other things. I'm sorry. I got a frog in my throat today. I don't know what's going on. Uh, by the way, while this is loading up, okay, here we go. I uh, was this weekend on Veracity Hill, um, fantastic show uh, uh, run by one of our patrons, Kurt uh, Jaris. Jaris. He has so many cool people, and then he's had us. So this, it's a good see, show. You, you know, you compare comments you make at the beginnings of shows with comments you make toward the end of shows, and the humility dissipates. As the day goes on. Well, I haven't gotten rolling yet. But 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 no, I will. I mean, he's had N.T. Wright on. He's had Craig Keener on. And those shows are great because... uh, I feel good with that crowd. He's had me on. Yeah, I fit right in. Uh, Is that better? I I mean, it's more like you. But what I like hearing is there's a part of his show where he asks random questions. And I I love to hear all those... Did he ask you those questions? Yeah. Okay. And I love to hear all those scholars how they answer those questions because it. The, I have to admit, Kurt, I, I hadn't heard the show before then, and then I started watching it after I was on oh, it. Oh yeah. Um, I, I've told people if you don't post it in the Trinity Radio forum, I don't see it because I don't. We were we were talking about doing a show about politics, right? <clears throat> and then we realized we don't know anything that's going on in the world. I'm sorry. And 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 likewise, I don't know who has the cool podcast. I didn't even know Kurt had a podcast. I've been friends with this guy. He's a fellow Biolian, you know. But I didn't even know he was doing that. You got to post it because it's not on my radar. So he posted it, and I went and watched all that he had done by the, that point, and then I've watched it ever since. And it's a great show. And they they've got like all the big name biblical scholars and theologians in. One of the things I like is they ask you random questions, and I was not prepared for that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say to this? And then he starts asking the questions, and those questions are actually tougher than you think. <laughs> what, is your, what, is, what is your spiritual ice cream or something? And you're like, are you, what is your, you know. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I and don't you're know. like, oh man. I said chocolate. I don't know what that yeah. says about No, me. because it's hard. Cause, like, I, I always, All I can interpret is what, what do I like? But that's not the question. He didn't say, what is your favorite ice cream? He says, what is your inner ice cream or yeah, something yeah. like that? It's like, oh, my God. I don't know what These that, questions are tough, you know, especially for people who have a doctorate. You're just like, the, those kind of questions confound all the scholars. Because if you watch them all, they're all like, uh, uh, well. The uh, only ones I had trouble with were the, the, the ice cream question, which I didn't. When I say I had trouble, I still answered pretty quickly. But the only ones that kind of like were like, what? Were the ice cream one? The what's your favorite dance? Because dance does not compute with me. And then, uh, uh, have you ever planked? Yeah, maybe the rest of them. I think. And that was an easy no. But but yeah, my wife just said, "Well, yeah." When you watch the scholars, you're searching for answers, and and and, you know, my kids are like, "That's easy. Those are easy questions." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, they're really yeah deep and meaningful questions that tell about your you lay your soul bare with those." Well, I did kind of wonder, like, are these questions that some psychologists might ask the answer quick answer quick answer these questions quickly yeah. and then they come out finding out that you're a sociopath or something right. I, I don't know all right so our patrons we appreciate them rodney tucker jeremy lee austin long william schroeder steve fraley josh stribling annette Bar- burns paul wayne sims anonymous robert gillier billy Wendelin, armin jacob paulson johnny miller jr brian mcnulty alex harton kendra buck alan atchison 
Ian Buchanan, Brian Roden, Eleanor Meadows, Kurt Jaros, Jaros, Ernest George Strauss III, <laughs> Scott McCauley, Joshua James Roberts, Abel Oh, Long, what a name. Brandon like name. Nicholson, Boydria Gonzalez, Benjamin Fogler, Austin Eakin, Second Yang, and Jonah Krylo. <sighs> I wish I had a name like Jonathan James. What was his name? And he, Joshua yeah. James Roberts. And he's as cool a guy. As Joshua James Roberts, he sounds like a, he sounds like a founding father, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like all that gravitas just in the I'm Jonathan Pritchett, and yeah. and yes, growing up, I heard everything that rhymes with Pritchett that you could have possibly imagine. I was uh, <clears throat> teased that way, but okay, you can't tease a Joshua James Roberts, you know. So, why am I a Christian now? Let me let me say something. We didn't talk about this before the show, but except for just like ten seconds. And he already said something that indicates he's on the same page as I am in terms of how to answer this question. Plus, I, I know why you're a Christian. The, well, but, the, the, here, the, but the, the, there's two questions really here, really. Mm-hmm. There's the question of why I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. i.e., why I became a Christian. And then why you're still and a Christian. And then why I remain a Christian. Yes. Now, putting aside doctrinal perspectives about eternal security and all that, well, if you ever are a Christian, you're never not going to be, you know, all that whole thing. That's not what we're talking about here. Putting all that aside, from a human perspective... Culturally, we know people who became Christians and then are no longer yeah, Christians. Why, yeah, like why did I affirm Christianity and then why do I still affirm Christianity? Put it that way. Um... So, how do you want to do this? Do you want to, do you want to kick it off, or do you, or or me? Because I'm ready. I'm always ready to tell people why I'm a Christian and why they ought to be a Christian. I want to preface this by saying you are looking at a podcast with two fellows with very vanilla testimonies compared to the the testimonies out there of people who used to do all sorts of manner of wickedness and then they became a Christian. Yeah, our testimony is not that. But <clears throat> David Wood says that that's pretty awesome because yeah. even the toughest tough guy testimony you hear he says that's he said that that's all the christians he knew were twice as tough as that because he became a christian in prison <laughs> right so and, and he's like and that felt so good to, to hear somebody who's like oh you know somebody who has that testimony of you know that's not quite yeah on the one hand it's being like being a cool thing you know uh, yeah on the one hand it's like uh you know what um that is really great that you were um addicted to crack cocaine, and then God delivers you out of that, that that's amazing. I, yeah. I don't want to put that down. And if we're talking to, if you're talking to other people who are currently addicted to crack cocaine, right. well, fantastic. That is a great testimony. You can you can come out of this. God can get you out of this like he got me out of this. That's that's not me. I wasn't addicted. But the, right. but the, thing, but the thing is, that is great. But in general, I, since I was a kid, have always thought it was odd that it was like, we really want the guy to come give a testimony to all our teenagers who haven't done any of that yet with the worst imaginable testimony. I mean, it's kind of like like we're all sitting here, oh, yay, yay, you were a crackhead. Yay, you did crack cocaine. Yay. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, but he got saved. That's the important thing. And you got saved. That's the important well, I'll thing. Tell you, I, you know? Well, no, I'll tell you what it is, though. I, well, I gave the appropriate caveats. No, um, but it's also the case that if if Jesus can forgive that person's sin, of course, it's forgiving your sin is because you know people who this is going to sound weird, but people who have had relatively sheltered <clears throat> lives when they mm-hmm. were growing up, they get inside their own head more because they don't actually experience anything meaningful, and so I mean I know that sounds bad, but so they get inside, so they think that. 
you know, living in that cocoon, they get inside their own heads. And then I've met a lot of people who are, who are just regular folks who have pretty tame lifestyles who think that the worst thing they ever did, which was maybe smoke pot in college, can't be forgiven. And they're right. like, oh, I just don't know that Jesus could forgive me because I, I slept with my boyfriend once and I had a joint. And you're just kind of like... Yeah, and there is value in that. But at the same time, I mean, let me tell you, as like a person, that, you know? and you've admitted you're this person too, as people who have these vanilla testimonies, the, the fact of the matter is you get very creative with your self-doubt. Yeah, uh, You get very creative. Like You almost think that because that person was a crackhead, God could use them in a way so he's going to be more willing to forgive it. Whereas with me, I had no excuse, and here I smoked this joint. I, I didn't do that. I never smoked a joint, never done marijuana. Uh, if you have, God forgives you. Don't, don't do what I'm saying people do right now and say it can't be. But you get very don't creative. Don't become a drug addict you, you to get, have a good you, testimony. Yeah, yeah, is that, yeah. is that yeah. the lesson right. here? Yes. You get, but you do. And I don't think it's necessarily just you getting creative, but I think the enemy uh, capitalizes on this. That there is this, uh, you kind of think in terms that you can't be forgiven, even though he could, even though he's worse, you know, from a human perspective. It's weird what people do. Anyway, bottom line is... Not the point of the show, right? You have a vanilla <laughs> testimony, and I guess I do too. Yours is more vanilla than mine. Does more vanilla mean mean more worse, or does it mean less worse? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it just means more vanilla. It, it means more... More you bland and, you and, and I, milk You toast? and I have had similar childhoods. We yeah. like similar things. I think I got into a little bit more trouble than Now, let me tell this did. story. Let me tell this story because no. people will lay out. You know what I'm going to say. No. So, John, he's going to deny it, but you need to hear this. No. So, John the Pritchett comes to me, and he's this mouthy dude online, like you know. Yeah. And he And he makes it out like he grew up on the rough streets... Of, uh, of of Arkansas, uh, he gave me a real picture that was like eight mile, like uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> I really, not. really, really rough. He was this rapper. Not. He had well, all that was this true. That, well, yeah, but you packaged it, and 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 then so, and what's the name of the place you grew up? Maumel. So I go up there to visit my in laws who live in the area, and uh, we're driving past this extremely wealthy yeah. community, and my and I said, "What's this over here? This is beautiful." <laughs> And my father-in-law says, oh, that's Mom Mel. That's where all the rich people live. Yeah, yeah. I never said that I grew you up You were born the... with a silver spoon in your mouth, just I, like And me. I've never denied that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a funny story, but that's actually not the case. I've never... I, the worst thing I ever did was I smoked a little pot, and um, I got into some trouble with some friends. But that, I mean, who cares? Again, not the point of the show, but right. one of the things that I do think can be dangerous with... Those kind of testimonies. I'm not saying you shouldn't give those testimonies. There is a place and a time and all that, and you got to present it right. But the, the danger is, if there is the tendency that somebody's going to look at that who hasn't done those things yet and say, "Well, God forgave him. I could do it, and then he could forgive me." No. You say, "Oh, people don't think like that." Oh, do not deny that teenage boys in youth groups across America. I can't speak for the girls. I suspect it's the same. They tend to look for any excuse to get away with what they right. want. Right, and that was me because I have a feeling if we had stayed Methodist and had a and never got a liberal Methodist pastor that caused us to leave the Methodist church, mm -hmm. if we had stuck with conservative Methodists, I probably would have had a little bit more of a sense of holiness streak, but then you go to a Calvinist church and then you go from there, you go to a Southern Baptist traditional type church and it's once saved, always saved. Well, you know, you've never heard Romans six before, you know, <laughs> does that mean you can just go do what you want? May it never be, but 
You don't think that way. You're like, well, I mean, okay. So it's, Mm -hmm. you go do all those kinds of things. And, and I have, I I do wonder if I would have been a little bit more holy had I grown up in a holiness tradition, as opposed to a once saved, always saved tradition where it's like, oh, well, um, I am uh, 16 years old and I want to go do all these party type stuff. Right. And that guy that just spoke to my yeah. youth group, he did all that for years and talked about all these women that he slept with and everything. And look, he's he's a preacher now. Yeah. You know, uh, if that's you, then great. There's a time and a place. Anyway, not the not the not the uh, point of the show, right? Why though were you a are you are you still a Christian? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you a Christian? If you have to ask, or do you want me to go first? No, I don't. I don't mind. Why am I? Well, first let's say why I am a Christian. Now this is again. Apologists are not going to like this mm-hmm. um, because it's a challenge they have to answer. But it, the clever apologist doesn't worry about it. But the amateur apologist will will, will not like this answer. I, I'm well. It's the same answer I give. Yeah, so. it's most likely I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home in a country that was overwhelmingly <clears throat> Christian, as opposed to would I probably be a Muslim if I grew up in a Muslim country with a Muslim family? Yeah. So that's irrelevant to the question of whether or not Christianity is true, though, which is why saying that, what I just said, doesn't matter. Christianity is either true or false. It has nothing to do with why I became one, right? Um, We have good reasons for thinking Christianity is true, but oh, by the way, I was uh, um, most likely a Christian because I grew up in a Christian family. and Right, the problem is when somebody says... The fact that you are a Christian because, or at least one of the big reasons, is because you grew up in an American Christian evangelical family. Uh, the fact that that's why or how or whatever, that means it's false. That's no. where the problem comes right. in. That's, that's a non Yeah. We could have all, one Easter egg out of uh, 12 has um, a piece of chocolate in it and the rest are empty. You only picked up the one nearest you. Uh, uh, does that mean that yours doesn't have the chocolate in it? No, yours might well have the chocolate in it, even though it just happened to be the one nearest you, right? Right. And especially if you've got really good arguments that demonstrate that your egg has the chocolate in it. Yeah. You know, so the problem is when someone commits the genetic fallacy and says that you, that is false, and and because you came to know it, because it, you, yeah. yeah, because you came to know it because you grew up in a Christian right. country, you only believe parents. that because right. uh, most likely that's probably why I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a Christian at seventeen, um, but I I had been with Christianity all my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it has just been. I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I there were various points where I really liked church, even even if I don't think that I was saved at that point until I was seventeen years old. Um, but it just is a reminder that, yeah, some people don't grow up in Christian homes, even here, and some people grow up in, in cultures with other religions in other countries where Christianity doesn't exist, and that, that should motivate us to missions. Yeah. It shouldn't motivate us to doubt whether or not Christianity is true. It means that we live in a real world where there's real problems and there's real spiritual warfare, and we need to take the gospel to the nations. That's what that tells me. Mm-hmm. What it tells Richard Dawkins is the dumb argument that you only believe that because you... Well, you know, you know but here, here's the thing, because I, let, let me just jump in and say, I can't... I'm not going to be... It would be dishonest for me to say that that's not a big part of it. I was the son of a pastor, a, a really well-known pastor with a big church, 
And so I was exposed to this. And not only that, my dad was the real deal and my mom. And at night, there wasn't ever a rule that we had that there wasn't a Bible verse attached to. And not in like a cold clinical way. Like they wanted me to learn to love uh, the law of God, so to speak. You know, they wanted me to learn to love his word and to uh, make that a part of my life. And so naturally, I I grew into that. However, I have to say that it it wasn't by the time I was a teenager before I started thinking Oh, why, what if, you know, I think as soon as I was realized there were other religions and other mm-hmm. people that believed other things, I started thinking, how do we know that we're right? But I didn't get into apologetics at age eight. Um, I did start thinking, I, I did just continue to believe. And I think it was honestly because, and this is a piece of evidence for me even today, and that is, and the presuppositionalists might love this, but it's because there is a perception in me. Uh, uh, that I have this perception that it's true. I have this perception that God exists, that I can't deny. <clears throat> I, I believe it because it seems somewhat, maybe maybe it's the census divinitatis, like we said, maybe I have this God detector that everyone has. Yeah. I don't know, but I do. And here's the thing. People say, well, you feel that way because you were raised in a Christian family, right? Right. I don't think so, because there are a lot of people who weren't raised in a Christian family who the same thing is true of. Um, <clears throat> I'm well, reading. and I, I do want to say also, real quick, just to jump yeah. in, um, the, the, in Europe and in England, where Richard Dawkins is from, that argument no longer has purchase. And I think the millennials, the, ki- the children of the boomers, they're the last generation that that'll actually be true. What? That you could even use that argument in the United States. The, what, the, the, there's a perception? No, that that you're just a Christian because of your upbringing. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I think the yeah. millennial, the kids of the boomers, if any of them are Christians, which overwhelmingly by the time of adulthood they're not, um, that would be the last generation that argument would even have any purchase or worth making anyway. Yeah, um, let me give you an example. I'm reading a book right now, and I came across this this quote uh, that the Duke of Argyle gives. Uh, he's explaining a conversation he had with Darwin just a year before Darwin died. And this is what it says. I said to Mr. Darwin, with reference to some of his own remarkable works on the fertilization of orchids and various other observations he made of the wonderful uh, contrivances for certain purposes in nature, I said it was impossible to look at these without seeing that they were the effect and the expression of a mind. I shall never forget Mr. Dawkins' answer. He looked at me very hard and said, well... That often comes over me with overwhelming force, but at other times, and he shook his head vaguely, adding, it seems to go away, you know? <laughs> and, and so what does that tell me? That tells me that there is some, at least for theism, there is some perception yeah. uh, that people have. Yeah. Let, let me well, follow yeah, theism, that. Theism, even if Christianity continues to wane in the West, theism's not going anywhere. Yeah. There's one thing that I'm trying to talk, convince my fellow apologists about this, this over-focused on atheism. Theism's not going away, and I think that, I mean, there's, I don't know why he would say, you have to shove that out of your brain to stop seeing the patterns. Exactly, and let me, you just said almost verbatim what's in this next quote. This is from Alvin Plantinga, where the conflict really lies. Uh, He says, indeed, we ordinarily think of them in that fashion. We speak of them, he's talking about biological uh, machines and things like that, functioning properly or working properly or being healthy. We also speak of them as defective, as unhealthy, as needing repair, all of which fits in naturally with the supposition that they have been designed. These structures look as if they have been designed, and it takes considerable training and effort. <laughs> this is what you're saying. It takes yeah. considerable training and effort to resist that belief. Thus, Sir Francis Crick himself, very far from a friend of divine design, 
says, quote, biologists must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. Clearly the reason they must, and this is planting it again, clearly the reason they must constantly keep this in mind is that the structures they deal with look for all the world as if they were designed. So in other words, when you're doing this methodological naturalism, when you're working yeah. on uh, biological systems and things like the flagellum that always gets tossed around, you know, or the eye, the development of the eye, or all these things that are constantly the subject of this, you have to you have to just pretend it's not true. Like, you right. have to work really hard, he says, yeah. to, to put it out of your mind. Well, that's because thinkers like Plantiga and myself, you know, where we think on that level. Well, myself <laughs> included. Hey, I'll tell you what, maybe you're half Plantiga. Me and, How about that? Me and, <laughs> that wouldn't that be nice? No, I always no, said... If, I'd like to be half No, Plantiga. I've always said if I could have any any brain other than my own, it would be Keener's, not Plantiga's. Um, okay, you be I, Keener, I'll love, be Plantiga. I'd How's love that? to have half of... But no, it, it it's true because one day a year I try to be an atheist or, you know, just kind of like, all right, well, I'm, I, I mean, you can't read apologetics for a living and then, you know, read arguments against and not occasionally entertain doubts. I mean, yeah. do they have something here? And so every now and then for a day, I'll be an atheist and I'll be thinking, you know, this, this isn't designed. This does, and, and it's almost impossible for me to do it. It's like okay, if I if I wasn't a Christian, I'd have to be, you know, a, a Jew or or some sort of monotheist mm -hmm. because it's just insane to, to to try to to try to just be an atheist and right. say there's no evidence for any sort right. of designer. I mean, well, are these perceptions though? Like we're talking about yeah. now. Obviously, we would say within our Christian worldview that the Holy Spirit confirmed the truth of the message to us, even as children, sure. you know, and, and indwelt us and, and all that sort of thing that makes all the atheists watching gag. But it, we believe that happens to be true and that there's really good reason to believe that. So we're, so we, we would say that, but again, from a human perspective, we're talking about a perception, right? That we have that is not necessarily based on external evidence as children, yeah. right? Or at least not much. I and is that okay to believe something based not on external evidence, are you warranted in doing this? I think so. Sure. Uh, in fact, I think, here's a good example. We do this all the time. Take, take uh, like, let's say you exhibit an emotion that is not common to me. Like, your father died. My father hasn't died. Right. What if I'd been there and seen you experiencing extreme grief? I've not experienced that. But even though I haven't experienced it, I can look at you. I have no experience of this. I can look at you, see what you're experiencing, and recognize that is extreme grief. How sure. do I know that? Well, it's a perception. It's, yeah. it's somewhat intuitive. Now, there's some evidence, like you could tell me that that's what it is, but yeah. I don't have to have you tell me. And even infants who can't even see their own faces, <laughs> they can look at someone who looks very angry and know he's angry. Yeah. There's a perception. Is that perception reliable? Pretty well, yeah, you know. So enough. we do that all the time with things. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we also have a whole lot more. But that kicks us over into another category, which is not necessarily why I became a Christian, yeah. but why, well, why I, still I became am a, Christian a Christian. At 17, I've I've heard Christianity all my life. You know, I grew up in church, but then I actually felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I realized, oh, I'm not one of these. And obviously, because you're doing X, Y, and Z pretty clear you're not. I mean, I had a Christian friend 
his name is Nick Williams, who took me to a youth event at Gary Springs First Baptist Church. And the reason why he wanted me to go is not because he thought that I would like something at a church because I talked about, you know, uh, yeah, Christian grew up in church. But he knew that I wasn't a believer, and he could tell by the way that I lived. Really? Yeah. And so he knew that he needed to bring me so that I'd get saved for, for well, you know. not unnatural living know. in that eight mile of mom No, come on. Say. No, but seriously, and I appreciated that, um, that later that, you know, just because someone says, yeah, I grew up in church and I believe all that stuff, if there's no evidence that, that that you're actually a believer, it's good to invite your so-called <clears throat> Christian right, sure, friends yeah. to, to, to church so yeah. that they will come to know Jesus because the Spirit convicted me of my sin. I realized I, I don't, I'm not, I, I mean, if I believed in Jesus, I'd obey him and I wouldn't be doing these kind of things if I thought all this was true. And obviously... That's a good question. You know, obviously let's, let's I dog, don't. Let's yeah. dog leg off of this for a second because that's interesting. Is that true? I've said that before. Is it true that if you really believed it, you would live? Now, we're not talking about, like, okay, we're talking about mental belief, right? Are you talking about mental belief? Oh, or are you yeah. talking about, like, like biblical, like, trust, you know, oh, loyalty? Both and. Okay. If, okay. I, if, I, if I didn't have the mental belief, then I wouldn't even, the rest of the team matter. Well, right, but, you know. but I'm saying, like, people all the time say, and I think they mean mental belief. Yeah. And that mental assent. And they'll say, if you really believed X, Y, and Z, you would live faithfully to X, Y, and Z. Is that really true? Because here's the thing. I know that preach is good. But the fact is, out the window that is behind the camera in this studio, and about 13 stories down, there is a YMCA. Mm -hmm. I absolutely believe, as much as I believe you exist, I believe that if I were to go down there every day, and work my tail off that I could work my tail off. I really believe that. Do I do it? I mean, I want that too. That's what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. And 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 all, all those things. But I don't do it. Well, you'd have to say on this theory, well, you don't really believe it. Well, of course I really believe it. I live in the 21st century. I realize that working out regularly and burning more calories than you take in will cause you that's to lose That's believing weight. the proposition, though. That's Well, different. I know, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I think a lot of people use it that way. That's why I started this with, are you talking about, like, piss disbelief, or are you talking about mental ascent? So the both and comes into play here because it, I guess this gets into the matters of faith and science, okay? Because what you're talking about is you believe propositions based on a kind of evidence that's that's repeatable, right? Right. But there is a sense, I think, that if you really believe that God is omniscient and you think he's omnipresent, if you really believe those things, you might change your behavior a little bit in secret. Then Now, again, we're talking about would. mental assent here, right? Well, see, I, I don't know that I divide the two. Well, no, of, of, cor of course there is a division. There, there is a division. I mean, there's a categorical distinction, right. but even even on the mental ascent part, just let's just take that. You yeah, talk let's about just take, take that. that. Isolation. Just take that. Yeah. In isolation, yes. Uh, there's demonstrable, repeatable evidence that people who go to the gym are less likely to be fat. Right. Okay. Um, so Is that true? So this is the inner skeptic coming out. <laughs> I don't know if that's true because I see a bunch of tubby tubbersons out there who go to the yeah, gym they look every like day. Me instead of looking, you know what yeah. they do? They go sit in a pool and they flop around in and, some and, class. And we're and not being go, mean. I'm tubby. And, and, and well, you're right? Tubby. Yeah, I, I consider myself tubby. Right. But they'll go. But well, I am trying to be mean to this kind of person. 
because they need to hear it. <laughs> that, they'll go, that they'll go flop around in a pool for two hours or an hour with some instructor and not do anything, really. And then they'll go and they'll feel like they had their workout and they'll go, uh, they'll go like to Starbucks and get like a venti frappuccino yeah. And be like, well, I earned this because I worked on No, that Frappuccino would have taken 10 of those classes you just did, <laughs> and you only do one of those a month. You know? so that's, okay, fair enough. But no, I mean, just just people who go to the gym, and ex- if you exercise and work out, you're bound to be healthier. Than right, we know do. that's true. Right. I can even claim I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of an omniscient omnipresent God who watches, who knows all your thoughts, words, and deeds. If you believed that fully in the same way you believe that if you exercise, you'd lose weight, it, it would change your behavior some, I think. Um, you know what it would do? I'll tell you how it would change your behavior. Now, again, we're talking about someone who's not necessarily regenerate. Like yeah. this is not necessarily a person who has the belief the Bible talks about when it's talking about like loyalty and trust. <laughs> We're talking about someone who just comes to believe that, and there are out there a lot of people like this. They believe Christian theism is true. Mm. They haven't committed to it yet. Okay? Yes, Nick Quint. Yes, Ronnie Tucker. This is diet citrus drop. That's an abomination. But um, mm. they need to underwrite this show. They need to underwrite every webinar I've ever recorded. So, looking at you, Kirk. I, I don't. I don't even know what I was talking about anymore. Doesn't matter. You just so derailed me. No, I'll tell you what it would look like. Someone who believes with mental assent that going to the gym, they're going to work out. Hold hold on. They go to the gym that they're going to lose weight or whatever. They will often be like uh, yo-yo weight loss people. Like they'll go for a little bit and it's hard and then they stop going and then they'll go for a little bit. They'll get invigorated by an infomercial and they'll go a little longer and they'll lose some weight. But the peep, but, but so that's, you know, that's how that goes. I think a similar thing happens with people who mental assent believe but haven't committed to it. They occasionally will, ah, I'll go to church. It's Christmas. It's Easter. Yeah. I'll go to church. Or, I, you know, I'll, um, I, I'm not saying that church, going to church equates to you definitely always being a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, I'll, um, I'll read this Christian book or whatever. But there's not, and, and they're treating it like they do the gym. Yeah, but for me, when I was 17, though. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold right, of it, you. Right, it really is different than guilt. It, conviction is really a different yeah. experience. Than, that's why I'm not against this personal experience argument of William Lane Craig. Because, I mean, yes, an atheist can also experience that supernatural. Conviction does not feel like guilt. We all know what guilt yeah. feels like. Conviction is not that. Yeah. I mean, it literally is a different thing. I, I, I don't... It's it, I guess the... the it's less feeling and more knowing. See, when I when I feel guilty, there's a reason why we put that pair of that language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think guilty, right? Right. I feel it. But conviction was something that I I, w- I was thinking in in a different way about the things that I'd done. That was not necessarily. I I didn't have a tear streaming down my face kind of conversion because it was for me conviction at least in my experience. Yeah, there was some guilt there, but the, the conviction thing was a thought thing. It wasn't a... Well, and, and not just an awareness, but a drawing. Yeah. It's not just... A, when you feel guilty, you're like, oh, that was... I shouldn't have done that. Right. I feel a little bit bad. But with conviction, it it, it has a call to action attached to it. Yeah, you know? and it has a re, reshaping in the way that you think about behaviors, not right. how you feel about behaviors. Right. And that's a key difference, I think. So... For, and I still, I, I'll never forget that. I'll never, and I, and you still have that 
and that that first experience, how I knew it was different, and that's why I knew it was the Spirit. And then you carry that with you. Do I still feel guilty about the sins that I commit? Sure. But I also have this other thing, this this conviction thing that... Yeah, it's called the Holy Spirit. Right, and it's... It's, <laughs> it's it a is, person. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like I gave, I think it was just a couple episodes ago, or maybe whenever we did one of the cults, I was talking about my wife, when she became a Christian, two weeks afterwards, she came to me and she was tearful. And she yeah. said, "Whenever before I was a Christian, I did things I knew they were wrong. But now there's something else. Like, it's just this overwhelming, just, just movement of some kind or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. We all have it. <laughs> Welcome to the club now. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one of the greatest evidences, honestly. Now, I can't obviously get inside her head and know for sure. But, but I experience it. Now, I can't ask someone else to believe on the basis of what I'm telling them there, right. although if they would, that'd be great. So why did you become a Christian? <clears throat> Well, the same reason you did. Oh, well, okay, now even that question, if we're going to be philosophical about it, there's two, there's two questions here. On the one hand, I became a Christian because I was in this family mm-hmm. uh, and, and was exposed to all this. On another hand, I believe the Holy Spirit began to work on me with conviction, like we've been saying. There's another way you could take the question, uh, why am I a Christian? It is possible for me to be a Christian. Why am I a Christian? Because... It's like if, if I was in a burning building, why did, you sur- why did you survive that burning building? Because someone came and saved me from that burning building. In that sense, why am I a Christian? Because God came to earth incarnate in Jesus and died on, on the cross for the sin of the world. And because of that, I can be a Christian. So why am I a Christian? Because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for me. So that's another way of taking it. Yeah. But now, <clears throat> why am I still a Christian? Well, no, I mean, why? So the only reason why, yeah, I mean, Jesus did that for the whole world, though, as we believe. So, well, right, there's these different conditions. He made Christianity a thing. Mm -hmm. That's what that that addresses that, but that doesn't address. Are you saying the only thing that you can think of is that you just grew up believing this was true? Are you looking for like a, an emotional story? No, or, not an emotional like story. Because I, I don't have that. I don't that care with, about emotions. Well, it sounds like that's what you're no, asking. No, I'm saying when did you become a Christian? Okay. Why? What was, the, what was the... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah, what was the conditions of the time that led to you I think there's an easy break, an, an easier line of demarcation for people that get saved later in life. I think they know, like with my wife, you know, like yeah. they can know, like, oh, I was this person and then I was this person. Right. I experienced this in my, in my subjective conscious experience and then something, something uh, intervened, yeah. you know? Okay. That, I think those people can tell more. Uh, and I, and I've noticed some atheists who, who claim to have had professions of faith or become Christians when they were children. I, I wonder if it, if they, if it was later in life, if they would have become atheists, like, cause they would have seen more, I think the, the line, but anyway, uh, I didn't have that line, that clear line because I was five years old. I know, I know how it sounds to people, but I was five years old. Obviously, unlike a lot of five-year-olds, I'm having a lot of content of this sort put into yeah. my head all the time. And I recognized what sin was and that I was a sinner. I knew who Jesus was, that he died for my sins. And I came to my father on a brown shag carpet in Jacksonville, Florida, one morning before church. And I, and I said, um, I, I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved. I know, and my dad asked me, like, why do you want to be saved? Because I'm a sinner. I, I commit sins. And Jesus died for my sins. And I, and I knew all this. And, and the fact that I still remember it today and it's kind of powerful makes me think that was legit. 
And I, guess what? I prayed a sinner's prayer, and I repented of my sins, and I told the Lord that I knew I was a sinner, and I believed that he had raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 10, 9. And then I, I trusted him. And in fact, my father said, well, you know, in the early church, they baptized people when they got saved. <laughs> and so I, I was baptized that morning, if I remember correctly, yeah. uh, the same morning that I became a Christian. See, now, that but, raises a whole... Because well, some people are... So, Baptists especially, they're going to say, that's too young. Right. I've heard a lot of Baptists Some say... Baptists. I've heard a lot. Yeah, they're, well, I don't think that's a Baptist thing. I think that's a church thing. Not if you're thing. not if you're covenantal and you just baptize all babies. And well, okay, but, okay, putting that aside, I think there's a lot of non-denominational churches and a lot of churches of various stripes that would say that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot of Baptists that would say, no, 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 children, children can be saved, you know, and... Um, but here's the thing. Later on, at 10 years old, when my father first went into evangelism, I remember when he was preaching one time, I went downstairs to the church, uh, to this fellowship hall room, and I remember really uh, talking with God and, and repenting, you know. And I'll say to a certain degree what Peter Lord, the, the great pastor and theologian, said. He said, all I know is I prayed 600 times to receive Christ, and one time it took. <laughs> that's not exactly the way it is because I have this experience that I point to. Yeah. But because it did happen as a child, either way, I didn't have this thing where I was a real, like I had some real sin under my belt, you yeah. know, where, where I could really see a well, change. Well, I'm glad you don't have a whole ton of sin under your belt because yeah. people who do will tell you, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I do appreciate about their testimonies. Like, yeah, most of that was dumb. Yeah, I wish I hadn't had those yeah. experiences. And, yeah. and, you know, again, even going back to the Bible, um, this idea, Paul knew it, right? Um, because in the ancient Greco-Roman world, whatever the head of the household was, typically the entire family followed. So you think about the Philippian jailer, people say, well, there's a there's an instance where Paul was concerned about the soul of an individual. Well, you know, actually, no, because when he said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He didn't end there. What was the rest of the line? You and your household. Yeah. But- it, I mean, they they knew that there there's a thing that if you get and promise keepers in the modern world knew sure. that they yeah. they went after men because they knew if you get the man you're more likely to get the whole family. Mm-hmm. So, I got my own issues with promise keepers, but that's different. Well, show. no, I'm just saying. I'm talking so, about yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. And and so let me just cap this off by saying that in terms of my the point I want to make about this as an apologist is. I didn't believe necessarily on the basis of much external evidence. Yeah. It was it was an intuitive thing. It was a perception-based thing. And I was led to believe as a teenager that that was only because I was raised in it, mm-hmm. that, that, that those perceptions about theism and those intuitions and all that was there. I come to find out later, like with, like with these quotes I give you, no, 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 most people, I think, have that. I don't know if it's most. Probably most. I think probably most. Yeah. People have some... Well, like he's saying with these with these biologists, like they have to resist the urge to see the design there. These kind of things. I think those perceptions are real, and it's not just because I was raised in a Christian household, although that, that did it. But then, okay, so then we came... People have heard my testimony. They've probably heard your testimony. Yeah. I don't know if you've yet... But at some point you began to have doubts and you began to read these books and we've heard about that there was the case for Christ and there was evidence that demands a verdict and mm-hmm. you picked the one with the later publication date and all that. Uh, they've Sorry, heard from, they, they've heard from me that it was because uh, I, my wife was in a cult and then after that my, uh, friend. my friend was, his homosexuality led to an atheism. They've heard all that. But it was in that moment that we begin to have the discussion about why we are still 
Christians. Because for both you and I, we took it apart and put it back together to see if it was the same and to see if it held water. And for both of us, Christianity went back together and holds water, and we both think it's the most reasonable worldview, yeah, generally speaking. Yeah, and not just holds water, but when I put it back together, it was better than it originally was. And some things it's probably like changed. The, yeah, it's like I had put the model together, but it was it didn't quite have all the pieces in the right place. Like, I missed some mm-hmm. of the instructions there. That's mm-hmm. why I think apologetics, like you say, be part of our uh, evangelism, and now your next argument should be part of our discipleship. Because when I did put it back together, when I re- rebuilt the the, the, the Christian model, the parts fit even better. And it was, it looked better than when I had originally put yeah. it together. And so, and you're still working on that. Yeah. And I am too. Like our whole life, your whole life. And even for skeptics, this is true about their worldview. Yeah. Your whole life is a smoothing out the rough edges of your worldview so that it all works. Yeah. And at this point, I've said this before, I, I'm very... Not just so that it works, but to find the I, truth. I'm very, yeah. And it's very unlikely at this point that I'm going to hear any new arguments from atheists that's going to mm-hmm. convince me. Uh, they, mm-hmm. I, I'm probably never going to, to be convinced otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe that part of that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe part of that's just uh, set in my ways. Whatever the reason, you guys never brought it good enough. Yeah, because I do want to consider it. I want to know the truth. But even there, my desire to know the truth comes from a love of Jesus, right? Because why would I care otherwise? If because because Jesus is the way, the truth. You know, He is the truth. So well, let's take let's take an example of what you're talking about. Okay, let's take an example of how new evidence will impact our worldview. All right, I, I have this belief that the, that the universe is intelligently designed yeah. by God. I mean, this is my belief. And so I, I see real evidence of this in life. You know, I look at my hand. This is the perception thing again. I look yeah. at my hands, and it seems like made to grab things. My mouth, made to eat, made to breathe, made to talk, all things I love doing. I'm a satisfied customer when it comes to eating and talking. All right, uh, so that's all true. But so now let's say an atheist presents a Darwinian explanation of how this seems designed and and how evolution and all that leads to this. And this is irrespective of whether evolution is true. They present this, so what have they done? They have presented a defeater mm-hmm. to my claim that based on this, uh, definitely uh, there's a God who designed these things, mm-hmm. right? Okay, they presented a defeater, but the fact that they presented a defeater doesn't mean I'm wrong and doesn't mean my belief has changed. And I'll give you an example. Let's say, let's say, uh, I, you thought you heard me say that uh, Sarah was at a particular party that I was at. Okay, so now you have a belief that Sarah was at the party, right? But then later you find out, well, Braxton wasn't actually uh, at the party. Braxton heard it from Misty, and let's say that you're not talking to Misty. Braxton heard it from Misty that Sarah was at the party. Oh, now you've been presented with a defeater to the claim that, that to your previous belief. Does that mean that you ditch the belief that Sarah was at the party? No, it does not. It just means right. now you don't know, you don't have as you're not you you have not the reason to be as certain as you previously yeah. were. Okay, so someone presents me this this uh, evolutionary biology explanation for how our, our okay, so okay now there is and something you're saying else. that it's a strong argument. Yeah. Because I think evolution is stupid, and it would take something besides evolution. Well, let's just say I don't know, but they present it, and they're like, <laughs> let's say I've never heard of it before, but somebody yeah. presents it, and they're like, look, all these, the majority of biologists believe this. A lot of Christians believe this. It yeah. seems like the reasonable thing. Oh, well, okay. Um, 
All right, well, does that mean that, that Christianity is false or that God, God doesn't exist to have done the design? Jesus didn't rise from No, the dead. it doesn't mean any of those things. It just means there's something else on the table as an explanation for a piece of this thing. There is a defeater that's now present, but does that change my belief? No, because I have much stronger evidence to believe right. that in spite of that, even if that were true, Christianity is still true and God still exists and all these things. So when new evidence comes, even if a, what we call an, a philosophical defeater comes, it doesn't mean I jettison the belief. It just means I've got more to think but about. I, I don't even I don't even know that I've become. I mean, skepticism in certain respects is a is a is a good thing, and you could be skeptical of skeptics' arguments as well. Yeah. I mean, the evolution thing. It, you got to bring something besides evolution to me. I am so convinced that it's bogus. That I do not understand theistic evolution. It's, I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing or what if you whatever. But I mean, I think it's dumb. I mean, I literally think it's dumb. I literally evolution's the stupidest thing. So whenever like William Lane Craig balk even seems to balk at the idea, he's like on the because he doesn't believe in evolution in the sense that unguided, you know. Right. But even when he says something like, um, he mock not mocks, but almost jokingly characterizes like. The way that some of the creationists imagine it, it's like there was a pond with that had still water on it, and then all of a sudden there's a duck there and ripples off the duck where it just appeared, and you're like, "Yeah, right." Yeah. Is that right? And I'm like, and every time he sounds, and I love William. Why Lee is Craig, that so crazy every, anyway? But every time, if the universe was created from he nothing, he flirts with theistic evolution because mm-hmm. he. I don't know what he believes on that. I'm not sure either. He, that's part of the problem. I'm just like every time he gives it a pass, I'm like, "Shut up, Craig." <laughs> oh, and I love don't William tell Craig, Craig to shut up. No, but I mean, come on, this evolution thing is dumb. It really is. But I've always wondered about when he's when I've heard him say that, like, what what are you talking about? Because like you do believe the universe came to exist from nothing, right? Yeah, like pop. So God couldn't make a duck. So you're like, shut up, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, but I, well, I would never say that. I I love Craig. No, I, no, but, it's just no. But but what I'm saying is, it would have to be something besides that for me. You would have to give me a plausible alternative to theism. You it would have you would actually have to go after the resurrection, and you'd have to go after the existence of God if you'd ever want me to convince me of atheism. But like I said, that's not going to happen. So the, the, I'm more likely to become some other form of theist than Christian if I was to do anything. Well, okay. Now here's another thing that's that, hey, atheist, and I think you're the same way too. You well, it would yeah, take a lot to make. I you do an not atheist. believe there's any way you could. I find it very difficult for anyone to convince me that there's no God. <laughs> really, yeah, right. but but here but here's the yeah. thing that I here's the thing that um, with with that that I completely forgot where I was going. I lost it. Oh, here's the thing that that is that atheists are going to hate. But I'm sorry if it's true, it's true. All right, and that is that I had a guy on the show once years ago who said, "Look, uh, what would it take for you to not be a Christian?" And I said, "Well." I could be, I could, I mean, I could be wrong about things, but it's going to be very difficult for this reason. I know, I know. I think I've had a personal experiences with God. Yeah. You know? And with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's like, it's not, I'll admit, it's not on the same level of visual certainty that I have with Pritchett, but it's like somebody saying, what, what would convince you that Pritchett doesn't exist? What? What? Like, right. I'm looking at him. Like, I mean, I could be a brain in a vat, and you're just a hallucination, and you really are Pritchett Prime. You know, that, that could all be true. But is that plausible? Not in the least, you know? Yeah. So it would take a lot. Right. Uh, 
but then I'll tell you what really. And that's okay. I mean, what, what's the problem? I mean, well, they just like, oh yeah, okay, well, okay, yeah. yeah. But Richard that's Dawkins, what I'm if it's true, it's true. Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and Matt Dillahunt, they're dug into their beliefs, and they don't, they don't want anything else. To and be have true. you seen this Darren Brown atheist magician guy? No, I don't. No. There's this thing on on Netflix right now. I watched it yesterday. Darren Brown, he's an illusionist, and he actually had an interview with Justin Brierley, and he does kind of know some stuff about Christian apologetics and philosophy. But anyway, but not not a whole lot, I don't think. But he does this this show, and for the second half of the show, first of all, have you ever seen them do like David Blaine do the thing where they take these paper bags and they put a spike in one of them, and then he asks somebody from the crowd to mix them up however they want, and then he comes through and he tells her, "Tell me which bag to hit." Like, I'm just going to go like this, and you stop my, t- touch me on the shoulder when I get to one that you want me to slam. And so he slams his hand down, and if that was the one with the spike, it would have impaled his hand. And he gets it all the way down randomly, and the one that's left is the one with the spike in it, and it's an amazing thing. And then he says this. Th- this is his thing. He's like, let me tell you how false religion, this is not an exact quote, but this is the tone. Let me tell you how false religion is. I saw a pastor once do this trick and claimed that it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that the third one, in the, the the spike was in the third bag. So, ooh, look at that. That's confirmation of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, allowed me to do that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, talk about, like, I don't know whether you really saw that or not. Right. But talk about the worst, most backwards, like, case Kentucky you could ever stuff. come yeah. up with and be like, therefore, yeah. you know, Christianity appears to be false. Right. Uh, not that he outright said that, but that was the tone. But for the second half of the show, he takes on the accoutrements of a charismatic faith healer. And he proves, according to him and the people in the audience, that he's going around healing people. And these people really do claim to be healed. And he does do the thing, and they fall back. And he does all this. And he says, "Um, I'm I'm doing this all through my manipulation and all this kind of thing. And so when you hear these Christian things, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, is that, like, is that... That is not the same thing as what we mean when we say we've had an experience right. of God. I mean right. that I have had an experience that is very hard to convince me was not real, not because there was another person involved who could have manipulated the system, but because myself in prayer and worship, I've just had these these things. Happen. And answered prayer. We did a whole show on answered prayer last season. Yeah. Anyway, we don't, we've gone for almost an hour on basically how we became Christians and why it that's an explanation that is warranted. But the reason that I'm still a Christian is, I'll just say this, we don't have time to go into all the arguments. I thought we might, and it would have been fun. But when I discovered the resurrection case, Mm -hmm. and when I discovered the theistic arguments, I was utterly, utterly blown away by the strength of them. And then when I went to look for answers that atheists would give, and I found, I, well, I picked up, everybody's talking about the four horsemen of atheism and all that. So I picked up Hitchens, God is not great. I picked up the God delusions some period thereafter. And I saw that, okay, Richard Dawkins, that is just a mess. I could, yeah. I have a whole blog article about that you can go look up. But Hitchens devotes like a portion of one page of his whole book to talking about the Kalam cosmological argument and Craig's design argument, I think, if I remember correctly. And I'm like, that's what you... Like that's yeah, it. but I mean, most of his is a polemic of why religion is. Bad. I know, but yeah. these are the guys that they're like. These are our guys, you know. Yeah. These are the guys that a lot of the internet atheists are well, still but, quoting. Uh, 
less now than before because now it's fashionable. Well, it depends on the. It depends on which. Yeah. They found category. New, they found new heroes. Now, do atheists have more to say to the, these other arguments? Yeah, they do. They're yeah. they're smart atheists who attack the premises and all that. But even there, yeah, the answers. Like I remember when I was first listening to Craig debates and listening to these other apologists and even like people like Nesh D'Souza and other people like that. You know that we don't even think of. Yeah. The answers, like I, you would hear the you would hear the skeptics say something, and you'd be like, "Oh shoot, oh man, I don't know what our guy's going to say to that." And then you'd think about it while he's going on with his statement, and you'd think, "Well, you could say this." And at least for me, the thing that the apologist would end up saying had had not as not in as sophisticated a way right. had come to my mind already. Right. So for me, it's it's. The atheist case is so bad that it, it had to be something else. And the but, Christian case is so good. Right. So I'm still a Christian mainly because the continued... Um, Impact of the Holy Spirit. Witness of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The arguments and evidence and apologetics, I really think that that's important. Um, three, I like it. And I'm not afraid. To, yeah, I just like it. I, uh, and, 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 and four, because it's, you know... It's... It, I guess this is still the same thing with three. It's like, not as I like it for religious beliefs, but also like it for professional reasons. Um, I really enjoy theology. Yeah, I, me too. Once you believe one and two, the continued witness of the Spirit and the arguments and evidence, then you get into what is Christianity given that this is true. Mm-hmm. And it's so rich. And so, I, you know, I love studying Scripture. I love studying theology and all of that stuff. It's so fascinating to me. That I, you know, I, there's a part of me that's glad it's true because I yeah. like it, and yeah. that really is ultimately you said part of what and those you are, said. That, it, that I like it thing, apologists hate that too. But so what? Yeah. yeah. Well, you not like it, <laughs> right? But uh, the the whole the whole thing could be encapsulated in this one simple statement yeah. that we so longed to hear from people of other worldviews when we were doing the Wyma series in the beginning last season, and it is this. We are Christians. Why am I a Christian? Because I genuinely, experientially, intellectually, practically, I think it's true about the nature of reality. Amen. All right, so uh, that's why I'm a Christian. That's why he's a Christian. Yep. Go ahead and check out, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Even if you're an audio listener, go over to the YouTube channel and click subscribe. That helps us. Uh, go give us a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um Go ahead and avail yourself of the Trinity Primetime Discussion Group on Facebook. Even if you're a skeptic, we'd love to talk with you there. Check out our sister podcast, The Narrow Path with Steve Gregg's Teriology 101 with Leighton Flowers, The Bible Brodown with Matt Chisholm and Billy Winland. And if you want to give to our show to help continue uh, making it better and better, Just click, click somewhere over there somewhere and become a patron. Here. We'll shout your name out and send you free stuff. And all kinds of cool stuff. And if you're interested in learning more, go to braxtonhunter.com or trinitysim.edu to learn formally and sign up to audit classes, take classes from Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary, the best seminary on the planet. And how about a little wild card this week? Uh, Check out the Synergist podcast and Veracity Hill. Oh, we talked about that. Anyway, thank you for watching. God bless. If you would like more content, click here. And keep watching Bible studies, click up here. And finally, we want you to subscribe. We need more subscribers, so click here.